This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Well, great to see so many of you here today, again, for, for what's going to be a really neat service, I think. So at New Church Live, if you've put your cell phone away, I'm going to ask you to take it out. Uh, we do a lot. We have a lot of first-time people here today. We text all the time in church. I'll ask you to take pictures of things. A lot of people record the band because they love how they sing, which I do as well. Uh, and what I want to do is I want to start you out with a question. You're welcome to share the answer with a neighbor or to text it in to me. And this is especially for our online audience. I invite you to text or to go on the chat room of our live stream. And that's this question here. What are the gifts that come when we know we are loved? Well, the first song to review, the first song, let's all say it together, was The Power of Love. Now we're talking about, well, what is that? Like, what are the gifts that come when we know we are loved? We know we are loved by a parent, by, by a sibling, uh, by a spouse, by a significant other, by Santa Claus. I don't care who it is for you. you know, but what's, what happens? What sort of gets unleashed with that? What are the gifts that come when we know we are loved? Please take 60 seconds, answer that question. You're welcome to text it into me. Go. All right, folks, let's take a look. And again, these, these sort of get hard to read because I get a, it's a good problem of New Church Live is... We have a free data program, number one, unlimited data program, number one. And number two is that I get so many answers and it takes me a minute to sort of get them all queued up here. Um, let me see here. All right, my texting function does not seem to be cooperating fully. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. So, uh, you know, so we, I worked through that little technical glitch. So we all have that and it's important to think about. I'm going to come back to the answers you've texted in. So we all know that there's this huge power. There's this thing that gets released when we actually know that we're loved. It's really important to know that we're loved. And what's important as well is to understand that if we know that we love, that there, there are certain problems that will get in the way of that knowledge. And, and God's very aware of those problems. So what I want to do is I want to look at those problems in a couple of different ways. One looking at history and one looking at kind of the news, like how those two things can come together and, and can create a lot of problems for us. So the first thing I want to do is I want to show you a little video here that talks about, you know, how, how fear can get in the way a lot of the time of really being able to experience love. Do we have any Despicable Me fans out there? People who love the minions, you know? This is, this is a, a little clip from Despicable Me, and it's where a dad has his, has his stepchildren. He's trying to get them to go to sleep, and they're trying to get him to go on a date. So take a look at this little clip. Hey, I told you guys to get to bed. Oh, sorry. So when you're going on your date? What? Remember, Miss Jillian said she was arranging a date for you. Yeah, well, she is a nut job, and I'm not going on any date. Why not? Are you scared? Hey, did you guys see the moon landing on TV? I can't believe it. It's so cool. Yeah, and you know Excuse what? Me? I was talking to Lisa. Lisa. I was wondering if you... Ew! touch Lisa! Crew touch Lisa! Ew! Lisa's got crudies! Scared? 
Of what? Women? No, that's bonkers. I just, I have no interest in going on a date. That's all. Case closed. I'm not scared of women or dates. But fear that we get when we look back at our history and our past. And you know, we tend to forget that we're loved. And what we tend to do is repeat that story again and again and again. And oftentimes goes back to the age 12. You know, when, when we had that moment where we didn't feel loved, and that's the story we keep on repeating to ourselves. And sometimes the news doesn't help because there's all kinds of evidence that we should be afraid. This is a picture here that on Facebook. I'm not sure whether it was a spoof or not. Some of you probably know what that was a picture of. Somebody, somebody laughed. They got it. What was that a picture of, folks? Shark. Yeah, these were people going in, the, going in the ocean with their shark cages. Now, what are the odds of being able to live gratefully there? To be able to live with joy, to have relationship, very, very slim. That's not what's going to happen. Because God wants something else to happen for us, which is to, to release that real power of love. And here are some of the answers you folks have for what that power is. I can just let go of fear, security and peace and feeling center, grounded, carefree happiness in the knowledge that everything can be conquered. That is beautiful. You can authentically be yourself and be vulnerability. I love that word authenticity. Happiness and overall joy in the life we are privileged to live. Opportunities to allow us to connect to others. Inner peace, smiles, hugs, an open heart. I became energized. It's like starting a car, vroom. Feeling connected and a greater sense of our self-worth. Peace, security, joy, empowerment, trust, freedom, support, safety, uh, happiness, and comfort. There's a whole bunch more there. Those are beautiful, folks. And that's, that's what the power actually can be. And so, and so where's, where's God trying to get us to go? I mean, I, I feel like this life really is about learning what the power of love is, really understanding what the power of love is. It's definitely connected to living gratefully. And as we exercise that power, this is what can start to happen. I'm going to have you say the last word of the sentence here. This is from Thich Nhat Hanh. You must love in such a way that the person you love feels free. Which means the more we learn to love, the more the people in our lives start to feel free. And you notice how, how people said, you know, that word, again, that word authenticity. When we're around the ones we really love, who we really know, we really feel deeply that they love us, we can just be authentic. We can just breathe. We don't have to, we don't have, to have a bunch of pretense. We, we don't have to pretend. We can just really sort of sink into our own skin. What a, you know, what a great feeling that is. It's just like, that's where I believe God is leading us. Now, now, how is it that we start to get there? And I want to, want to sort of build this, like, like build this through the service so we can really start to understand how, what is the mechanism to getting there that we're loved. And I want to start it by saying, like, we're not talking unicorns and rainbows kind of love. We're talking a love that's going to enable us to really do things in this earth. Like, it's not about just sitting in your own life, in your own head, thinking, oh, God loves me, end of story. No, it's, it's God loves me so that, boom, 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 so I can do these other things, so I can make a difference out there into the world. So I want to start with this simple concept here. This is from 1 John 4, one of the books of the New Testament, we, I'm going to have you say again that first word really loud. We love because God 
first loved us. Do you realize how crazy radical that is? I mean, that's sort of like a throwaway, hallmark lens, foggy, you know, like thing. But then you really start to think about it. What does that actually mean? Why is that so incredibly radical? If you notice what it says, it says, well, actually, if I was to rephrase it, the bedrock of life, the very touchstone of life is that God loves you. Can you let that sink in for a minute? That God loves you. And if we can get that God loves us, it gives us the opportunity to love. I think a lot of the time, right, we get stuck where where we have this array of people who we want to love us. Some of them do, but guess what? Some of them don't. (laughs) Right? We all know that. Some people will, some people won't. And and that can kind of get in the way. But can can we understand, no, God loved us first because it moves it way beyond a meritocracy, way beyond that there's an earning of God's love. There is a living into God's order, as New Church would put it, but there is no earning God's love. You have it. The question is, can we learn to align our lives to it? Listen to this, folks. Just let this stir around in your brain. This this very famous quote where, where this person was saying, what are we here for? Listen to this. And this is one... You probably won't get, but if you think about it, I think for for a little bit, for a couple of hours, (laughs) you start to get it. We are here. We are here to learn to take in the beams of love. I think the author even said to stand the beams of love. To actually be able to get it. Because there's part of us when we feel that amount of love that we, for a lot of us, we push away. And yet life is about coming more and more into integrity with all those things. So then it begs this question. How do we experience it then? Okay, so I, so I get, I buy into that, that, you know, God loved us first, but, but how is it that I actually experience that? Because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm not necessarily feeling it. Like I'm not getting it, Chuck. You know, and how is it that we can actually experience that? And that's where I want to go to the, to one of the, the four gospels here. For those of you following at home, uh, this is from Mark chapter 9, verse 38. And this is talking, again, I think this is getting to how we can start to feel it. And this is a group of Jesus' followers. They were called disciples. There were 10 of them. This is one of them called John, who's speaking here. Teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. We told him to stop because he was not one of us. So you see right there, like the picking teams. Are you one of us or not? Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. It's a beautiful line here, folks. Let's look right at that yellow part. I'm going to have you say the W word. Anyone who gives you a cup of water. Really interesting, right? Now, I want to move over here and and talk about what the significance is of this. You look at this story, and and here Christ is saying, look, it's as simple as just just a gift of water. Just simple stuff. That's, That's where I believe we start to experience God's love. Just in the simple things that we do. 
And see, what is our ego worried about? Well, our ego, as, as you see in the story there, and that's why the, the Bible, I think, is so wonderful, because these disciples are so, they're as screwy as all of us in this room. These are not people who are like, are the frozen chosen, who totally get it. They don't. They're constantly making mistakes. And, and Christ is constantly teaching them more and more about how to serve usefully out there into the world. And that service of, of, of water. See, Martin Luther King talked about the beloved community, that that's what we're to learn. We're to learn about the beloved community. We're to learn practices of compassion. That's so important. Church, I think a lot of the time, we, we, we think of worship, which is important, but there's also this other part of following. You know, and I think that's what, why God gives us his word so that we can really learn to follow it because this will bring us more and more into the very thing we were created to be in our lives. That power of love. Folks, look, you're talking about freedom, authenticity. You're talking about feeling empowered to live the life you want to live. And you yourselves are saying, wow, this is all about feeling loved. That's what enables it. And that's where the beloved community can grow. When we start to do these little things. See, what, what the ego is concerned about. The ego is concerned about which team are you on and credit. Now, can I make a pastoral confession to you? All right, this is a pastoral confession. Sometimes people will tell me, you know, other groups will come in and they'll go like, Chuck, just so you know, we went down to the Ronald McDonald house. You know, we'll say the Girl Scouts. I took my Girl Scout troop down to the Ronald McDonald house. It was great, thank you. And so I nod my head, I go, that's great. And you know what I'm really thinking? To be honest, I'm thinking, that's terrific, but New Church Live actually does it better. Do you ever do that? You know, somebody does something really good and be honest with me, folks. You know, and in the back of your mind, you're going, that's terrific. I do it better. <laughs> I do it all the time. See, that's exactly what's going on. Like, look, they're healing people. They're not doing it in our name. They obviously can't be as good at it as we do. Please give me credit. But there's something far different that Christ is asking us here to do. He's saying, yeah, you know, you get that there is a team, but the team is the beloved community. It's the beloved community. And instead of moving just credit going to the team, the credit goes to the action. The credit goes to the action. And when the credit goes to the action, then we can live lives that are, that are so much richer. And, and it's where that gratitude is the final point, not credit. I want to move back here. As the band comes out, I want to really harp in on that. When our lives go to the gratitude, not the credit, that's where we can really learn to start to bring the living and gratefully together. We start to really understand the power of love. We start to understand that even in times of trial, that we can actually love people through things. That we can start to help them to, to, to move forward. And there's an incredible empowerment that starts to happen with that love. When we come back from this song, we're going to be hearing some wonderful stories about what that empowerment actually looks like. That is so fun to hear. And just, just that, that idea of like loving people through things. And that's, that's really significant. See, it, it's so much about that glass of water. You, you got how revolutionary even that is. 
Like, like here's Christ saying like, look, you know what? Just give out a glass of water and you'll have your reward. Not reward as in like, okay, now you got a point for salvation, but you'll have your reward because you're giving, because your heart's open, because you're understanding God loved you first and that enables you to love. That's a beautiful place. See, new church bid is about like, how do we live into that order? How do we live into that order? And it shouldn't be a question like, I don't know, Chuck, what's the answer? It should just be like, I know. All of us can do that. See, I love the way Pope Francis put it. Holiness is always tied, say the last word loud. Holiness is always tied to little, to little gestures. That's simple, beautiful. What a place to live gratefully when we can come to that place. And then if I was to phrase it my way, you know, what, what, would, what is this really asking us to do? I think new church pieces would put it together this way. Center your posture of gratitude. I just want to look at that first line there. Again, gratitude is a posture. It's a way of looking at the world. And I've seen folks, I've seen people with, you know, I realize one of you right now is probably, probably a number of you are going like, yeah, but Chuck, you don't know what my life's like. I can't be great. I can't find gratitude anywhere. I've seen people have gratitude in amazingly bleak circumstances. And it's because they've gotten it. It's a posture at which to look at life. It's a perspective. Center your posture of gratitude on small loving acts done from a radical welcome. That part that these aren't necessarily all big. And that's what you're going to hear from these wonderful young adults. They're not changing the whole world. They're just changing part. It's just a small thing. It can be in a, as, as small as a family or relationship to as big and bigger as the world, if that's where you feel called. But these are small loving acts, and they're done from a radical welcome. A radical welcome. A welcome that's really able to, to embrace people in their fullness and not do a lot of sorting as to who's on what's team. That's what we see again and again in the Bible. The disciples are constantly saying, well, we're the team, and Christ's going, no, you're the servants. You see the difference? We are the team versus no, and I think you would say it with a smile, you're the servants. And then the very last part, if we could have that up one more time. Not only yours to give, I'm going to have you say the last word, not only yours to give, but yours to celebrate. So it's not only about giving the small acts. Now listen carefully here, folks. It's about having a posture of gratitude that's constantly on the lookout for the small acts out there in the world and is willing to celebrate that. I mean, that celebration's a big point. This is a story I shared a couple of years ago. I shared it last night, so it's on my mind. I was working uh, with this older parishioner. She had lost her husband a number of years ago. She was struggling with manic depression. She really was in a black place. She's asleep, and all of a sudden, she has a dream, right? And, and it's a dream. Did it really happen or not? I don't know. I'm going to pretend it really happened. Even if it was just a dream, it was a beautiful dream. She's laying in bed and her husband sits on the, on the, at the foot of the bed. Like she can feel him sitting down there. And she wakes up. And he doesn't tell her much, but this is what he says. Listen, these are beautiful. These are words to live by. He says, honey, I have one thing to tell you. With a smile on his face. She says, what? You know what he says? Celebrate. 
And then he leaves the room. Is that beautiful? You see, and I think that's how we're supposed to go through life. Yes, there are hard times, but can we still consistently have that spirit of celebration, rejoicing in the opportunity we have to live gratefully and to live from a loving, as somebody said out there, open heart. What a great opportunity that is. And with that, I want to introduce to you three young adults who've made a tremendous opportunity in their lives come real. Now, to help introduce them, I I like getting people moving. So I'd ask you all to stand up. And we are going to welcome these three with a rousing standing ovation. All right, welcome you three. Come on out. All right. So Andy Warhol guy said that we all have 15 minutes of fame and you just used up two of them. <laughs> so what I want to do is I'm going to give them questions here and, and I want you like thinking in the context here of the service as, as they answer. First, I'm just going to ask them to just pass the mic around and say their name. Kolb. So I'm Pat Kolb. Luke Frazier. Weston Wadsworth. Great. Now, we're going to start at that end. All right, so now what I'd love for them to do is just to describe in in brief, like, what was your project? And you see pictures up here, that's Weston on the bottom left, that's him and his project, go ahead. Um, I did a charity 5K one mile walk for mitochondrial disease, and I feel like I gotta explain that because a lot of people don't know what it is. Um, It's a genetic disease that affects your muscles, and um, I'm really lucky. Most people with the disease can't walk, or they have problems seeing, or they just can't function without other people to help them. But I'm just a little bit weaker. I got very lucky on that scale. So I did this event to raise money for the people who weren't as fortunate. And how many, and how many people did you have? Um, we got, I think, about 90 people who showed up. Great. Excellent. So my event I put on a few weeks ago, um, we gave haircuts and uh, craft-brewed coffee from a local brewery in Upper Black Eddy. Um, and... All of the donations we raised that day were then went to Charity Water, which is a nonprofit organization based out of New York that actually helps um, create water projects in developing countries to get clean water to people who can't dr- drink clean water or they have to travel, you know, three to eight hours a day to uh, drink dirty water. So uh, we raised money for that. Had a lot of fun. Um, I think we got like twenty-nine to thirty people and doubled what I thought we were going to make. So. Had a lot of fun doing that. Great, thank you. And just so you folks know, I love supporting charity events. The haircut one was one I did not go to. <laughs> Stout washcloth does the trick for me, so we're, <laughs> so we're good. Uh, so over the past year, I've been leading an initiative to raise money and awareness for hereditary cancer, and we've been donating our money to uh, the Bastard Center over at Abramson uh, Cancer Center which is a division over at uh, Penn uh, Medicine. And uh, I've had one event uh, over the past year. I've held a screening over at the highway, and uh, we raised close to $3,000 uh, for Basser. And uh, on November 7th, I'm going to have a rowing, uh, a, bo- a, a dragon boat race uh, over at uh, Boathouse, Boathouse Row. And, uh, I mean, it was supposed to be on October 11th. But it got rained out because of the hurricane that we recently had. But, uh, I mean, we'd, 
we expect a great turnout, and uh, hopefully we can raise a lot of money and awareness for hereditary cancer. And what's, just so people know, what's a dragon boat? Because it's a cool thing, just so you know. So it, it's, it's someone like canoeing, but you have two people on both sides. You can have up to 20 people in the boat or as little as 14 people in the boat, and everybody has to work in unison to uh, move the boat, propel it forward, and I guess. That's I good. Mean, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it. It's a lot of fun. It, I mean, I've had great experience with it so far, and our team's... It's just a great bunch of people from church, school, and from the community. Great. And now we're going to go back this way. So, Pat, no, hold on. All right. So what was your, what was your biggest fear slash obstacle that you felt you had to overcome to kind of make this happen? I would say for me it was trying to organize everything because it's really, it's really hard to try and get everybody together, get everybody in one place, and uh, try and work everything out because everybody has different schedules. And, I mean, it was... It was, oh, there was a lot, a lot of emails sent out, a lot of responses. Uh, eventually, it, it really worked out because we had, we had a very high attendance, or we had a much higher attendance than I anticipated at the screening. And uh, we've gotten a lot of support for the race uh, upcoming to it. So, I mean, I mean, it was just a pleasant surprise. And Great. I, Great. I was just so happy for it. Great. Good job. Good job. Same question. Yeah. I think one of my biggest fears was, one, not even doing the event. Uh, I think I we came up with the idea like two months before we a- I actually did it, and I just had this fear that it wasn't going to happen. Like I wasn't going to get enough people together. I wasn't going to get anyone to help cut hair, the coffee, the um, any food we had. Um, so that was the biggest fear. I mean, and it was we had a tremendous um, amount of support from the community, friends, family, a lot of last minute planning, but um, it all came together and we had enough people we had and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, For me, the hardest part was telling people that I had the disease. Um, Before it, I didn't tell anybody, which is not something that I was public knowledge. I never wanted to be excused for myself when I did sports and other things. So I didn't tell other people. So when I told other people, I didn't want anyone feeling sorry for me, which I don't think anyone was, which I liked. Um, but that was, that was it for me. Great. All right, now coming back around. Those are great answers, guys. So coming back around, what was, if you could encapsulate for us, what was the, the, the main thing you think you learned going through this? And granted, Pat, yours is, yours is still coming around the, the bend, but up to this point, what's, what's the big thing you think you learned? Um, I learned that people are very willing to help. I thought at first that it was going to be very hard to get anyone just to come out and volunteer or anyone to help me make anything, but I learned that people are very generous. I would ask someone to do something, and they were more than ha- willing. Once they knew that this was for charity, they were like, oh, yeah, I'll help out, and it was, it was incredible. Great. Thank you. That's a great point. <laughs> Almost stole mine. Right? <laughs> um, oh, I mean, along with that, I definitely learned that as well. I think along with that... Um, I'd have to say, like, I just, I, I learned that there's a lot of happiness out there. There's a lot of joy in people's lives. Um, and like you said, willingness to help. Um, and, and people just want to be helpful. And that is so cool to me. It was like leaving my event. I just had this great sense of happiness because there's so many people out there in the world who really want to help out. Even if it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away in other countries, they want to help out. And that was um, just really gratifying and awesome. It was an awesome feeling. Uh, these two basically covered it. I mean, 
the, the people that have helped me so far, they've been so willing to help. Everybody, there's, so everybody's so generous. Every, well, there's been a, a lot of people so far that have donated to my cause. And I mean, especially that people, people have just been so willing to do it and they've had such a great time doing it as well, which is just, it's been amazing. All right, now what I, what I had told them is I had said, I'd give them a couple questions, and then I was going to save one that they don't know that they're getting. So this is sort of like the Jeopardy round, you know? So we'll see if we get the right answer. So not the right answer. Whatever answer you have is going to be the right answer. So, so we started out the service talking about, like, the power of love and, and all that. You want you guys, like, actually really th- think this question. Like, let it sort of, like, get the nerves out and just, just kind of li- really listen to what I'm asking you here, okay? That's this question. Granted, you all know God loves you. And I'm talking about the human component here. Who loved you enough that you could have the courage to do these events? Who loved you? i getting a little choked up already. Uh, who loved you enough that, that you could have the courage to do these events? Uh, my mom really helped me through this entire process. And uh, without her, I mean, she, she had to get a double myself. My sex to me, uh, and uh, which they basically it was an operation to prevent her because she was at high risk for uh, breast cancer for, uh, through hereditary cancer, and I mean, <sighs> and uh, I mean, she's helped me through the entire process, and without without her, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this. Thank so. You. Um, for me is one specific, one really specific person. Um, and some of you may know her in the community, Laura Nash. Uh, she's a phenomenal human being over at um, the Bernathan college. And without her, I mean, uh, none of it would have able, none of it would have happened. She helped me with the location. She helped me with a couple of volunteers. She helped me with a lot, most of the planning. I mean, she is just an amazing human being. I can't thank her enough. Um, so her, I mean, and the rest of the community, it was, they, the amount of love I felt from them was amazing. So, Thank you. Thank you. Um, for me, it's a collection of people. Um, I would say my parents were a really big one. They brought the attention to me of the grant that I used to fund my 5K, um, which was Charity Works, and they helped me a lot through that whole process, and they supported me. Um, my girlfriend also supported me through the whole thing. I was, I had to come back here during the summer to, um, help organize it. And she was here and we did a lot of work together. She helped me out a lot. And then, um, the dorm that I live in, a lot of guys in there (laughs) helped support me and they came out and actually volunteered for the event. I just felt a lot of support from them. Yeah. Thank you. All right, I just want to thank you guys so much. You just stand so we can recognize you, give you a round of applause. Thank you guys for sharing what you've done. So that, yeah, that's pretty beautiful, right? And like you, you think, folks, like, can we live gratefully in that place? Did, did you see, like, the gratitude moving back and forth in those seats? 
Could he, could he hear what it meant to be loved? Loved by, by parents, loved by community, loved by teachers. And all of that goes back to that bedrock of that we're loved by God. And when we can learn to live gratefully, just taking one step at a time, one cup of water at a time, we can start to really create something in this world. I think that's where churches, synagogues, temples really need to be that place. Because it's a beautiful place. Like image, we are made in the image of likeness of God. We, we, we get these opportunities to do this. We get this opportunity to love. Listen to this. Just, just think of this opportunity. You have the opportunity to love someone enough that they can do something courageous in their lives. Let that sink in. Maybe you should text them this afternoon. You have the opportunity to love someone enough that they can do something courageous in their life. And as long as we draw that love out of the fact that God loves us first, what a beautiful, beautiful life we can start to live into. It's a life very much like this. Please say the E word, the entirety. Could, we, could the entire congregation say entirety? The entirety of heaven gives itself over to love. I love that wording there. Like it gives itself over to it. That's what heaven is. And the kingdom of heaven is within you like double bonus. (laughs) I don't need to go there. I am there. The entirety of heaven gives itself over to love. It's the only life that exists in the heavens, a happiness beyond words. And see that the beauty of that kind of love, and we saw that in these three wonderful young adults, is that that kind of love can go into really hard circumstances. Drought conditions in Africa, diseases that we don't have cures for, cancer research. It can go into really hard places, and what it can do, it can shine. It can live gratefully there. It can live with love there. Do you see why Christ's message is so important? Do you see how that can change the world? It's not just like a list of beliefs that we have to sign off on. That's not it. It's this. It's this. And let's learn more and more to live gratefully there. As we close today's service, Again, if there's something that's been, that they said that you'd like a chance to like revisit, feel free to join the, the, the Sunroom group over at the New Church Live office to discuss. If you have a project yourself and you're like, yeah, I, I think I have some ideas and I need a little bit of scratch to make it happen, talk to Charity Works with Clayton out there in the lobby. And let's continue to live gratefully. Continue to live gratefully. I'm going to ask these three young men to come out. They're going to say the final prayer with me. I'm going to say a prayer. Then you have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to just simply have a moment of quiet reflection. Please join me in prayer. So Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the power, Lord, of remembering that the gifts of compassion, the the, the beloved community can start with such simple things as a cup of water. 
as a 5K, as a haircut, as a dragon boat. Lord, what, what beauty. Like what? Beauty. Right there. What opportunity. Right there. What joy in that place, even in the midst of the hardships of life. Lord, be with this congregation. Stir in their heart the power of love. Allow them to live gratefully in that place. And be with these three. Guide them, Lord. Let them create lives that leave footprints, that leave healing, that make a mark. In your name we pray. Amen. listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv 